You know, Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. So, so God has promised this gift that he wants to give us. It says, in a, just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see this take place. The followers had gathered, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then people on the streets came running. It says, when they heard the loud noise, what was going on, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They stood there amazed and perplexed. Um, Researchers believe that it could be up to like 15 different languages that were being spoken. And they were amazed that these believers, these Jesus followers, knew these languages. And they asked each other, what can this mean? What's going on here? What's happening here? And so Peter told them, look what Peter says. What you see was predicted long ago. He's saying this isn't, this isn't something new. This is, we're not being blindsided. This was predicted a long time ago that this was going to take place. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my what? Spirit upon all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. All generations. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on men and women. That was a big thing in their culture. Men and women alike. I'll pour out my spirit on men and women alike. So the people, don't, don't miss this. The people noticed that something was happening. Don't miss that. They heard it. They saw that something was happening. Peter told them, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing something. So a question that I have for us today, and I want us to think about this for just a moment, is when was the last time you realized that the Holy Spirit was doing something in you or around you? When was the last time that you noticed, that you recognized that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was doing something in your life or around you? When was the last time? Now, if you're having trouble thinking about that last time, could it be that you're not recognizing him? See, some of us have a basic knowledge about the Holy Spirit. Some of us have no knowledge about the Holy Spirit. Some of us don't even care. So most of us aren't concerned because we don't think that it necessarily applies to our life. But the question that we have to ask as we step into this series, now part two of this series, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, does it really matter what we think about the Holy Spirit? Does it really matter? I believe it does. And that's why we've stepped into this series, and really uh, all year this focus is I I want it to to help us develop an understanding of the Holy Spirit, specifically by looking at some basic biblical statements about who he is. We're going to talk in later weeks about what he does and how he speaks and those things. But today we're going to take a look at who he is. It really does matter. Would you pray with me? God, help us to understand your spirit. Help us to understand not only what the Bible says, and that's the most important, but also, Holy Spirit, let us sense you. We've already already been picking up on that today, that you're here, that you want to do something in our lives. And so we, we open up our ears and our minds and our hearts to you. Speak to us today. Let us hear from you. We pray in your name. Everybody said, amen. So who is the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to talk about. Who's the Holy Spirit? When we think of God the Father or God the Son, 
It's really easy to wrap our minds around them. You know why? Because we speak of them as a person. God the Father, God the Son. It's, it's really easy for us to, okay, we can identify. We can, we can get our minds around them. I mean, think about it. We can be personal with a person. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you can be personal with a person. It's true, right? I mean, think about it. You can. That's why I think we need to realize that the Holy Spirit is a person. You want to get that on your outline today. I know this name confuses you when you use the name Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, if we think of him as a, um, some spiritual power or some spiritual um, uh, force, he, he becomes something that we are trying to get hold of and maybe to use. But, but honestly and actually, the Holy Spirit is a person who's trying to get hold of us and use us. Now, I know that sometimes we think, well, this is just semantics. It's kind of trivial to really even talk about this. Well, no, actually... It's a very serious misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it affects what he can do in our lives if we have this misunderstanding of who he is. You'll never find throughout the New Testament any description given about the Holy Spirit being a force or a power. It's it's always talking about him being a person. In fact, Jesus uses some very personal pronouns when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Let me take a look. John 14, Jesus says... I will ask the Father, and what's that one? He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it doesn't recognize him, right? But you know him because he lives with you now, and later he will be in you. So Jesus uses these very personal pronouns to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is a person. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a person who has very personal relationships with Jesus' followers. That's what Jesus is talking about. The New Testament shows us some personality elements that the Holy Spirit has. And these are the things that I want us to get today. So get this one down. First off, the Holy Spirit knows. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit knows. He knows. He's got an intellect. He's got a mind. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, I love this passage, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Don't you love that verse? I love it. So, so no eye, no ear, no mind has, has imagined, has conceived what, what God has prepared for those who love him. Look at this. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Look at this. For his spirit, Paul says, his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Here it is. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Wow. So if you think about it, it takes personality to know thoughts. The Holy Spirit knows because he's a person. Next, the Holy Spirit feels. He has feelings. It's true. I mean, there's all kinds of different passages that talk about this. But I, I love this one that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Look at this one. Do not bring sorrow, or some versions say do not grieve. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Let's, let's read that one again. Look at this. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Wow. We, 
we, we need to understand that Paul is putting this verse into the context of Ephesians 4. He's challenging Jesus' followers, just like us, that when we are tempted to live like the world, we, we should not give in because it grieves the Holy Spirit by the way we live. It brings sorrow to the feelings of the Holy Spirit by the way we live. We, we should immediately sense that someone in our lives is not pleased with the way that we are living. That's what Paul's talking about. Another uh, essential element is this, the Holy Spirit speaks. Get that one down. He speaks. We're going to talk a lot about this in, in the weeks ahead, but Jesus tells us that the Spirit will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So he's talking about him speaking. I love in Acts 13, look at this one. One day, as the men were worshiping, the Holy Spirit what does it say? Said. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have called them. So the men laid their hands on them and sent them away. And we're going to talk again, again, weeks ahead, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit says. So you want to come in the weeks ahead and make sure you're a part of our studies. The next personality trait is this. The Holy Spirit acts. He acts. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Teach you everything. Paul tells us the Holy Spirit produces, produces fruit in our lives. So teaching, producing, there's all kinds of other actions that the Holy Spirit carries out in our lives. We'll talk about those. So, so we can see real clearly that the Holy Spirit is a person. But what we also need to realize is that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. In fact, this is what I want you to get down. Not only the Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit is God. Would you put that down? The Holy Spirit is God. Now, you may have heard of him mentioned in what a technical term that you won't find in the Bible, but it's this kind of a technical term that church world and religious people give to the three-person God, the three personalities of God. It's called the Trinity. You may have heard of that before. Um, if not, no big deal, okay? We don't use it very much around here anyway because it's a little bit hard to get our mind around. It's, it, the best way that you can kind of describe uh, for using a, an illustration or a metaphor, the best way you can use to describe God in three different personalities, two different ways that I've seen, is one is, is an egg. So if you think about an egg, a hard-boiled egg, let's just go that route, okay? You, you have the shell, the outside, and then you have the white that's in the middle, right? And then you have the yolk that's in the very middle, right? There's three things, but all of that is a part of what? The egg. So it's all the egg, but there's three different elements to it, three different parts, Another idea would be water. Okay, you, you can have water in liquid form, you can have water in gas form, and you can have water in solid form. Everybody follow that? And so there's, it's all water, it's all H2O, it's just in different forms, different personalities, if you will. And so that's the way that God is, is kind of um, described to us so that we can kind of get our minds around this idea of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they always say that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity or the third person in the Godhead. That doesn't mean that he's third string. Okay, don't, don't think along those lines. It doesn't mean that he's any lesser than the Father or the Son. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is God. And throughout the New Testament, we find this confirmed. In fact, take a look at what Acts 5, and you're going to have to read this story with me, this narrative, to kind of see it, but, you, but you'll see it here in just a minute. This, these words, Spirit and God, are used interchangeably with what Peter says. Take a look. 
There was a man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. Now, it doesn't say why he did that, but he did that. He was lying, right? This is all the money we got with the profits of the cell, and it really wasn't. It says, with his wife's consent, so she was in on it too, so ladies, you're not off the hook. He kept the rest. Then Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, you lied to the what? Holy Spirit. Circle those two words on your outline, would you? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. And you kept some of the money for yourself. Next slide. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So Peter is saying, I know I'm getting into the narrative here, but Peter was saying, look, it's your money. You didn't have to give it all. We're not telling you to give it all to the church. But you come and you bring it and you say, I'm giving it all to the church. It's almost like he came down in front and said, I'm making this special gift. I've sold a house and I'm bringing all the profits. And Peter's going, no, you didn't. You didn't even have to say you were doing that. You didn't, we weren't telling you to bring it all. But here you are lying. And he's lying to who? The Holy Spirit, right? We already read that. Take a look at this next part. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he say he was lying to the Holy Spirit? Right? He said that up front. See, Peter knew, get this, that the Holy Spirit is God. And so these two words are interchangeable. And that's the thing that I want us to catch. It's, it's throughout the New Testament. These, these concepts, these ideas are interchangeable because the Holy Spirit is God. It's very important for us to realize God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, three in one. They're all God. The Holy Spirit is God. We see this connection when Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer. I mean, take a look. Mark chapter 1. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. Now, let me just stop and think. Who was coming out of the water? Jesus. So don't miss that. So Jesus, who is God the Son, is coming out of the water. The heavens split open, and it says the Holy Spirit descended on him. So now we're seeing God the Holy Spirit. Everybody follow me on this? And then it says, a voice from heaven said, speaking to Jesus, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great glory, great joy. Wow. So we have God the Father speaking, God the Son Jesus coming out of the water, and God the Holy Spirit descending. Everybody follow that? Okay. Another situation we have is in Matthew 28. Jesus is giving what's called the Great Commission to his followers, his disciples. And look what Jesus says. Go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name, here we go, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? It's really clear. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. So let me give you some divine attributes that confirm this. First off, the Holy Spirit is outside of time and space. You want to get that one on your outline. Outside of time and space. Let's think way back in the beginning of time, that which we believe is found in the, the book of Genesis. And it's the beginning of human history. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And you may know this verse, so you can kind of help me you know, walk through it. In the account, it says that in the beginning... 
God created, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And then we think automatically that it reads, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. We jump right to that. But actually, that's not how it is. Take a look. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then it goes on to say, God said, let there be light, there was light. I love this view of the Holy Spirit, this, this divine nature of the Holy Spirit in the beginning of human history. I mean, look at it again, verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Don't miss that. So in the first verses of Scripture, at the beginning of human history, we see the divine person of the Holy Spirit bringing creation out of chaos. And maybe that's what you need in your life. Maybe there's an area in your life that feels out of control or chaotic, where the pieces are just not fitting together. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to come in and create in us the plan of God and the life of Jesus. Maybe that's what you need. Another divine attribute is the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Say that one with me. Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's everywhere. I love Psalm 139. I've loved this verse since I was in high school. The psalmist says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. Let I me mean, think about this. Invisible, imperceptible, inescapable. He's always there. No matter where we go, the spirit of God is there. Jesus tells us, that I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Wow. Another divine attribute is this one. The Holy Spirit is all-knowing. All-knowing. Jesus says this in two different phrases. We've seen a couple of these earlier. The, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Say that word with me everything. Think about that one. Don't you, want, don't you want someone to be able to tell you things of what you don't know? I do. I, I, I want someone in my life that would be able to give me some answers when I don't have answers, give me direction when I don't have direction. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach me, will teach you as followers everything. If we listen, if we're paying attention, he'll teach me everything. Wow. Look at what Jesus says here in John 16. When the Spirit comes, he will guide you into some truth. Actually, that's not what it says, right? What does it say? All truth. He will guide you into all truth. Have you ever found yourself into, in a situation where you're thinking, I'm just not sure the pers this person is telling me the truth. I'm, I'm just getting this feeling like maybe something's being hidden here. I'm just not sure about this decision because I think that there might be some pieces that I just don't know. You ever find yourself there? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is the one who can bring all truth, all truth. The Apostle Paul adds a little bit more to this. 
We've already read a little bit of this passage, but I wanted you to see this. The Spirit searches out all things, even the deep secrets of God. Look at this part. Who knows the thoughts um, that another person has? Only a person's spirit that lives within him knows his thoughts. It's the same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Wow. So even the Old Testament prophet, look what he says. He says, there is nothing that the Holy Spirit doesn't know. Look what he says. Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Kind of being sarcastic there, isn't he? But it's like, really? You know more than God knows? That's what he's saying to us. No, we don't. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit is all-knowing. Another divine attribute is this. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. I love this verse out of Zechariah's experience, the prophet Zechariah. He says, the angel said to me, it is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we, we see this um, power demonstrated in so many different ways, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in so many different ways throughout the New Testament. But one of my favorite is in the birth of Jesus's, I'm sorry, in the announcement rather, of Jesus's birth. Take a look at Luke 1. We probably know this story as a Christmas story, and sometimes we might miss some of these details, but look at this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, don't miss this right here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This, again, it's one of these interchanges where, where the Holy Spirit and the Most High, if you don't know, is a reference to God. So it's this interchangeable moment here that the angel is saying, the Holy Spirit who is God is going to come upon you and bring power from God into your life, and this will overwhelm your life. Wow. The power of the Most High will overshadow you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this is the Holy Spirit who is all-powerful. He can make things happen that we never would believe could happen, that we would never in a million years think that could happen in our life or in somebody else's life. The Holy Spirit can do it. The Apostle Paul experienced this. Look what he says in Romans 15, I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. So he's saying, you know, I'm just sharing the message of Jesus and people are coming to know Jesus in incredible ways. It's amazing what God is doing through me. And then look what it says. He says, they were convinced by the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. Wow. See, I'm just not convinced that we have internalized the truth of who the Holy Spirit is, nor have we really experienced all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. That's why we're in the middle of this series. I think we're missing something. And, I, and I, I, all week, I, I couldn't get past something that we talked about last study. When Jesus was talking to his followers, his closest 12, and he was getting ready to go away. Remember this scene? 
And, and he's talking intimately and personally with them around the dinner table. And look at what he says. He says, I'm going away to the one who sent me, but it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. Jesus uses this Greek word, which we talked a lot about last week, to, to indicate this intimacy that the Holy Spirit would have with his followers. It's parakletos, which, which means one who stands beside to encourage and help. Let me think about this. The person of the Holy Spirit, as God, always close to us, we, we never have to do life alone because Jesus says this person, the Holy Spirit, who is God, will be with you. It, it's better that I go away, Jesus says, so that he can be with you. I'm not convinced that we've embraced who the Holy Spirit is because we're not recognizing him. I, I, I think that that needs to change in our lives. It needs to change in my life. There's some things this week that I've been thinking about I've never really ever thought about in this study. I may be bringing it out later, but, you know, it, how often do we communicate with the Holy Spirit, even in our prayers, versus communicating with God the Father or Jesus? We pray in the name of Jesus. We ask Jesus to do this. We, we ask God to move. We, we believe that God has the power to, but how often do we, how often do we talk to the Holy Spirit? And yet Jesus is saying, it's better for me to go away so the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the person who is God, the Holy Spirit, can be here with you because he will be here all the time, everywhere. Wow. For me, I hope this is for you too. I'm praying that this is for you too because I want this for you. For me, I want to understand the person and the power of the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed so that I won't be the same. I don't want to go through these weeks of this study and think about the Holy Spirit and learn more about the Holy Spirit and then never have it affect my life, never have it apply to my life. I think this is what God wants for us today. Would you bow your heads?